There's a lot of room up front here if you guys want to come up a little closer. So I'm thinking of the word anticipation. And when I hear that word, I think of a certain person in a basketball game saying, anticipate, anticipate. Some of you might know who it is. But, um, you know, there's a lot of things in life that we're anticipating, whether it be a new baby or we're getting married or we're anticipating uh, going on a trip. And I think it's good to do that. Uh, Anticipating, I don't know, going on, coming home from work or having somebody come home, maybe visiting relative or something like that. There's a lot of things we can anticipate. I think that, that amplifies the, uh, I don't have the word, but the anticip- amplifies the uh, curiosity or, I don't know, say it again? Enjoyment, maybe, yeah. I enjoy a trip when I can plan it and think about all the things we're going to do. Here, um, last month or so, I've kind of, a little bit wasted my time. I didn't really intend to, but a couple, a couple weeks out of the month, Silas and I were working on a project to um, build this, convert this lawnmower, lawnmower over to a spray rig. We're going to spray our asparagus, and I'm in agriculture, so we kind of have to think of ways to do things. It'd probably been easier just to have labor, but anyways, we built this thing. And it was lawnmower axle, you know, just a little spindly little axle. And we put big old 40-inch rims on this thing. And the tire was only like two inches wide. So if you're, I probably should have talked to you. If you're a mechanical engineer, don't listen. Because it, uh, I probably could have saved a lot of time and energy. But anyways, we took this thing out in the field. And it went down a row, back a row, and down a row. And the axle broke out of it. <laughs> and I was really anticipating this thing. I could see it going the whole field, but I kind of knew... Uh, I don't think this is going to work. And it didn't. So I just like parked it. I kind of gave up on it. But in life, things can be that way. We can anticipate things in life. And, and it really works out good. And sometimes it doesn't always work out the best. But thankfully, that's not my main topic. Thankfully, the Lord is going to return again. And we can anticipate his return. He said he's going to come back for us. And... Um, we're expecting that to happen. I think that's my, my point today as a reminder to look for his return, to be expecting his return because he's going to come back. It's not going to not happen. It is going to happen. If you've accepted Christ in your life, he's going to come and take us back to realize and foresee. So let's make plans to uh, increase our eagerness to anticipate his return in 1 Corinthians 15, I'm going to read a few verses here. First Corinthians 15, 50 through 54. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. We shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this 
corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortality has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? And then First uh, John 3, 2. Actually, First John. I didn't have my place marked here, so. Beloved, we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And the word rapture is not actually found in the Bible, but as we know it, he's going to come down, he's going to bring the dead first, rise the dead first, and we're going to rise up in the clouds to meet him in the air. And, and uh, the next uh, verse we'll read is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 17. Lost my marker on that one. First Thessalonians four, let's say thirteen through seventeen. But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring, him, bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven, and with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. So I'd just like to encourage each one of us today to look for his return, to anticipate, to expect. I, a couple of words stood out to me in verse 16. The Lord himself would descend with a shout, and I don't know if that's Three different voices, or is it all one from the Lord? We'll descend with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the shout is, I don't know what kind of a shout it is. If it's, I would shout, but I'm not going to shout. I can hear the trumpet. I can hear the trumpet go. So let's anticipate. Plan, let's be ready for the return of the Lord. Let's encourage one another with these words. So Lord bless you. And let's have the worship team come up and uh, lead us in song. If you want to stand with me, I'll pray. And the worship team can come up and lead us in time of song. Good morning. Welcome. If you're new here, we welcome you here. If you've been here a long time, we still welcome you here again. It's good to be together, to come together, to spend time with each other and with the Lord. We're going to spend some time in the truth this morning, when we have a hard time knowing where truth is, today we're going to spend a little time in the truth. One thing that's we're going to will be coming up is uh, uh, <clears throat> on a side note, we're going to be having a, a baptism here at some point. So if there's anybody else that is interested in getting baptized, come and talk to me, and we'll have one hopefully in the not so distant future. Um, God is good, isn't He still good? 
He still is good, and we can count on that. We're going through Galatians. I'm going to read Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And if you need to go before we're done, I understand, because we probably won't be quite done at noon. So, Galatians chapter 2. Why don't you stand up for just a little bit while we read? Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It says, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas and also took Titus with me. And I went up by revelation and communicated to them that, go- that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I might run or had run in vain. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled <clears throat> to be circumcised. And this occurred because of a false brethren secretly brought in, who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage to whom we did not yield submission even for an hour, that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. For from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter, for he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. They desired only that we should remember the poor, the very thing which I also was eager to do. Father, thank you for your word. Bless our time as we study it this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You can sit down. <clears throat> so jumping right into Galatians chapter 2, it's been 14 years since Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, and he has had maybe one or two missionary journeys since that time, but it's been 14 years since he was converted, and what he is doing <clears throat> is he's wanting to check in with people people that he'd visited, places that he had visited, churches that he had started or visited, he, he liked to check in with them to see if they still believed. Because I don't know about you, but if you have ever started something before and you get a vision for something, you get really excited about it and you get it started and then you kind of get into the middle of finishing something and it's not quite as exciting and now it's just work. And you kind of get a little bit... Uh, um, discouraged possibly because it's not going quite as quickly as what you thought maybe it should or it's not as, as fun as it was when you first started or as exciting. And I, th- and, I, and I can see that Paul is wanting to know if people are still excited, they're still believing, they're still trusting in what God had done for them. And, and uh, sometimes life can be like that. We, we start something. There's some people that like to start things, but if they don't have somebody to come along beside of them to help finish them, then nothing ever gets done. And Paul wanted to make sure that the churches that he was ministering to did not just all of a sudden disappear because nobody was there to take care and encourage them. And so he's trying to reach out to see if they still believing, if they were still believing, and if, or if the reason that he had went to share Christ's love with them had been in vain. Or maybe he had gone and they forgot and it made it look like the reason he went was for naught. And so he's checking in with people, and a lot of the books that he's writing, that's what they're for. He maybe sent somebody to the church or the country or wherever it was that he had been just to check in to see how people are doing. Are you still keeping the faith? Are you still trusting in the Lord? Are you, do you still have your excitement 
for loving the Lord, for serving the Lord. And the question can be today even, it can be very, the very same thing. Do we still have the excitement for God? Are we still excited about God? Life can get busy, life can get crazy, but to still be able to have that excitement for serving the Lord. And this is where Paul is at in finding out what is going on. He wanted to be sure that his message that he was sharing was the same with everybody. I want to, we're going to move to several different verses this morning that we're going to read, but, but just getting the feel for the service this morning, I just think also time, I did not know what the service was going to be like, but just time spent reading the truth is important. And I really feel this morning that that's part of what we need is time spent with the truth. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and verse 5, and it says, For this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. Paul says, I can't stand to not know anymore what's going on. I want to know if you are still following Christ, if you're still believing the truth, if you're still on fire for the Lord. And I, his hope says, I hope and pray that the tempter has not tempted you and drawn you away from that. As we go on in chapter 2 of Galatians, it says he meets private, privately with those who, are, who were of reputation. So he wants to meet with the leaders there to make sure that what he is teaching, that we're, we're teaching the same thing. We don't want to be teaching something different. We want to be teaching the same thing. We want to be teaching the same truth from the same word, believing the same Jesus. Galatians, let's move to Galatians 5. I'll read a couple verses from there. Galatians 5, 1 through uh, 6. And it says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged from Christ, you who attempt to be justified by the law. You have fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly await for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Why would you want to give up the freedom that you have found in Christ? Why would you want to go back to living your old way of life? It keeps talking about being circumcised or not circumcised, and I think this is just one issue that it talks about, that the Jews were supposed to be circumcised under the law. But you can't just stop with that particular one, then you also have to follow the entire law. And the Gentiles, they didn't have to be circumcised. And they're, making, they're trying to make a difference here. And so then it keeps going on in Galatians chapter 2, saying that people come in. And this, let's see, uh, Titus, who was a Gentile, sitting under this teaching of Paul and not feeling compelled that he needed to try to keep the law. In this instance, it says be circumcised, but not feeling compelled under this teaching that in order to follow Jesus, I should probably become a Jew so that I can follow him better. But Titus didn't feel the need this way. And so you have the religious leaders of the day sending, and, and my, this is just me paraphrasing a little bit of what's going on, but, and this occurred in verse 4, and this occurred because of false brethren secretly brought in who came in by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they may bring us 
into bondage. And maybe you have the religious leaders of the day. They're sending people, their own people in, and they're trying to discourage what is happening here because they really felt like the gospel was for the Jews. Jesus came for the Jews. They didn't really like how he went about it. They didn't really like that he is trying to get rid of the law. But hold on. Wait a second. This isn't for the Gentiles. This is only for the Jews. And so they're sending people undercover, if you will, into this meeting, trying to discourage, to dissuade people from believing that the gospel is for everybody. Because the gospel is for everybody. If you've been freed from slavery once, why would you want to go back into the slavery of living under the law? This is what they're talking about here. Galatians chapter 4, verses 8 through 10 But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those, who, those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I am afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Why again would you want to go back? I remember speaking uh, a couple of years ago about... You know, the Israelites came out of Egypt, and as soon as things got a little bit rough, the only thing that they could think is, if we could just go back to Egypt, things would be all better again. And things weren't okay in Egypt. Did they forget what Egypt was like? The people that Paul is talking to, have you forgotten what God has done for you? Have you forgotten the freedom that he has given you from the law? Have you forgotten what you were really living under before? Why would you want to go back to that? People, children of Israel, why would you want to go back to Egypt? Because the reason is, is because we knew what to expect. It was comfortable. Yes, we were abused and we were slaves and we had to work hard for nothing, but we were fed and we had a place to stay. And let's not give up the freedom that we have in Christ to be comfortable. I'm afraid there's a lot of people that are doing that in today's world is we don't want to we don't want to make it look so much like we're trying to serve the Lord because then you know maybe people will make fun of us or they will uh, what be prejudiced against us or whatever the case might be. No, I don't want I don't want to even entertain that thought. I want to be on fire. I want to be serving the Lord. I want to be willing to stand on what I believe to be bold. If the enemy, like Scott was sharing, is going to be bold right now, we need to be every bit as bold as the enemy. Because the enemy has already been defeated, and he knows it. And so why do you think he is so bold right now? He knows that he's been defeated. Paul wasn't intimidated by the people that he was talking to. He was talking to the religious leaders. You know, I was thinking, sometimes getting up here, that's not straight. I was trying to straighten it. Sometimes getting up here can be intimidating. I get to do it almost every week, but it can still be intimidating because there's a lot of people sitting out. A lot of you out there are older than I am. Maybe you've been a believer longer than I have. Maybe you know your Bible better than I do. If I were to dwell on those things, it's extremely intimidating to stand up here. But I'm not trying to dwell on those things. I want, to be, I want God to use me where I am 
And I want to encourage you to do the same. Because, yeah, I can stand up here and share. One of you could stand up here and share, and God would give you the words to say. Paul didn't care who he was talking to. He wasn't, that's not the right word, he wasn't intimidated by who he was talking to. He wanted to make sure that he was sharing the true gospel and that, we, that, that all together, collectively, they were sharing the truth and not being confusing to people. Acts chapter 10, verse 34 and 35. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. God doesn't have favorites. God doesn't see people who are in authority or who have, uh, uh, are, are very well known. They've become famous. He doesn't see them any different. Sometimes we can, that, that's something that we do ourselves. Because if somebody were to walk in here that would be well known, that everybody has heard of but nobody has ever met, uh, what, what would our reaction be? I'll guarantee it would be all the way across the board. But in God's eyes, there is no partiality. He doesn't show favoritism to anybody. We are all equal. We are all the same in the sight of God. It may appear, we have made it to appear that some people are more important than others. That's what we have done. But if we look at people the way God looks at people, everybody's equal. Everybody was created equal. Everybody has equal opportunity. The, the, the world today is trying to tell us that we have a racism problem, and I'm not saying there aren't problems with that in places, maybe even in my own life. But in God's eyes, everybody was created equal. There is no difference. And even they're trying to say here in this scripture, there isn't even a difference between Jews and Gentiles. They were created equal as well, and the gospel is for Everybody. Luke chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Now when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. With everything that's going on in our world today, we don't know where we might end up, who we might end up talking to, who we might end up getting the opportunity to share with. And let me tell you, if you have something coming that you're going to share with somebody in authority somewhere, and we can get really nervous and uncertain and not sure of what's going to happen, but the scripture says, you know, don't worry when you find yourselves in those situations. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, he's going to give you the words to say. What we need to do is we need to concern ourselves with staying in the truth. We need to concern ourselves with staying connected with our Lord and Savior through prayer, through reading the truth, through encouraging one another as brothers and sisters. And when that time comes that we may be asked as where Paul is in sharing with the leaders of that day that we won't be intimidated because of that. Acts chapter 13, I'm going to read a few verses right here, verses 42 through 52. 
So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Now when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and contradicting and blaspheming. They opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles." For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should, be far, you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women, and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their, from their region." But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting that Paul has now come full circle? He was the one that was persecuting believers, and now he is on the receiving end of the persecution. <clears throat> but what the, <clears throat> excuse me, what the leaders of that day did not like is that they were coming and they were sharing with everybody, and they were sharing that the gospel was for everybody. It wasn't just for the Jews, and these Religious leaders did not go for that at all. In fact, it made them jealous. That What did it say? It said that on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together. I think maybe they were a little jealous. Because when they spoke, it doesn't sound like the whole city was always there. But when Paul and Barnabas came to speak, they were sharing hope. And almost the whole city showed up to hear them. And this made the religious leaders of the day angry. And so they started fighting against them. They started trying to spread rumors against them. That should be emboldening, emboldening to us. If we're sharing the gospel with people, we are now today being bullied into thinking that we have to be quiet. And we don't have to be quiet. In fact, we need to be louder we need to share the gospel louder and more frequently and more often with everybody that we see and everybody that we meet, whether it's through words or whether it's through the way that we live. We need to be willing to share it boldly. Because what did it say after this happened? They took them and they kicked them out of their region, but they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but that could have been a little discouraging when these people kicked him out of their region. But they said, okay, if you don't want to hear it, we'll go to the next place and tell it to them. Because again, the gospel is for everybody. People were always trying to say that the gospel is only for the Jews. It's only for the Jews. It's only for the Jews. No, when Jesus came, that changed it to where it's for everybody. It's for everybody. Praise the Lord for that. Nobody's exempt from that. The gospel is for everybody. Um, 1 Timothy. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. 
says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Jesus, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time, for which I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I am speaking the truth in Christ and not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. And there's a lot of people that don't like this verse because of the because of verse 5 where it says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that's the man Christ Jesus. That's my Savior. That's the God that I serve. And this is who Paul is saying, this is who I am coming to share about. This is who I am coming to share. I'm not lying. I'm trying to speak the truth. I'm trying to share the truth. Now, as he can, let me get back to Galatians. Now, as he comes um, and, and is sharing with these different people, they're starting to recognize that Paul has been appointed to preach to the Gentiles. So Peter has been preaching to the Jews. That's the, that's the mission field, if you want to call it that, of who Peter has been called to share with. And here comes Paul. And Paul has come with the exact same message of the gospel, <clears throat> except for his mission field is the Gentiles. And they're recognizing, the people are recognizing that this is Paul's area to minister, the Gentiles, and this, the Jews, is Peter's area to minister, but they're sharing the exact same gospel. And it's interesting how as we, we can come here and meet together on a Sunday morning and we can encourage one another and we can, we can leave here encouraged and strengthened and ready for another week and then we go to each of our spheres of influence. And then we come back again next week and we get to share what we've dealt with, what's been exciting, what's been difficult, what we need prayer for, what we're thankful for, what we're grateful for. And we encourage one another all over again. And then we split and we go into our own sphere of influence again. That's the power of the Holy Spirit working through people. Because if we don't come and if we don't get encouraged and we don't get filled up again, it makes it really difficult to continue sharing the love of God with people. We all have different fields of ministry. We all have different groups of people that we share the gospel with, but we're sharing the same gospel. Let's make sure, let's be certain that we're sharing the same gospel, the truth of the word of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. I'm in the wrong spot. Let's not do that one because I think I have something written down wrong. That's okay. I have one last verse that I want to read, though, because it back, back to Galatians, uh, it talks about, in verse 9, and when James, Cephas, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, 
They gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. It's talking about pillars of the faith, pillars, people that have experienced God. They have seen him personally and they are realizing and recognizing that Paul and Barnabas have been given this ministry to the Gentiles and so they are willing to stand behind them. We recognize what you're doing. We want to stand behind them. But I just want to read what these, they call these guys pillars. And I want to read uh, out of Matthew chapter 16 why these guys were seen as pillars. And here is the reason. And this is going to be probably my main point for this morning. Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 20. And here is where Jesus is asking them, who do people say that I am? And then he turns and asks them, but who do you say that I am. And here's the answer. Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, <clears throat> Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So my question to you this morning, Paul in Galatians is teaching, he's establishing who he is, he's establishing that his ministry is to the Gentiles, and they're accepting it, and it talks about these pillars, and why would it matter what these pillars of the faith had thought, except that they had their own experience with Christ, just like Paul did. And when they say, when Jesus specifically asked these people, Peter is one of them, James is another one, who do you say that I am? They said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. They were confident in who they served. They were confident that they knew who Jesus was. They didn't they didn't hem-haw around. They didn't waver on it. They were confident. And the challenge and the question that I have for you this morning is, do you have that confidence? Do you have the confidence to know without a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is the Son of the living God? And the second question is, are we living like it? And as we go about our week, and the different people that we meet, in the circles that we minister in, whether it's Jews, Gentiles, whether it's uh, uh, trucking business, orcharding, wherever it is that you work and your people that you minister to, let's live confidently like we know who Jesus is. Who do you say that I am? Are we, can we confidently say you are Jesus, the Son of the living God? And I want to keep that in mind. The world is trying to bully us into thinking that that, that can't be believed. That's not right. That goes against uh, uh, what the world stands for and what we're trying to accomplish today. But let me tell you, that hasn't changed. Jesus is still the Son of the living God. But are you, am I, confident in that fact alone? Do we really truly believe it? Do we really truly live like that is true? Stand up with me if you would. The last thing Paul said is after these pillars said, yes, we want you to 
teach the Gentiles, and they both said, we don't want you to forget the poor. And that's what they both hold. They have common goals. They're both teaching the gospel. They're both teaching the same gospel. Let, we, are, we are in this battle together. Let's not forget, like what we heard this morning, who we're fighting against. Because we have the truth, we have the hope, and we can use it to share with people that have no hope and don't know what the truth is. We do know what the truth is. Father, thank you for your love this morning. I thank you for the opportunity to come and meet together here this morning. Bless us as we go. Bless us as we go to our different realms of influence that we work in all week. I pray, Lord, that we can take some things that we've heard, whether it's from here, the pulpit, or from somebody that we've talked to, or uh, the songs that we sang, whatever it might be. I just pray that you would help us to be bold in sharing the hope that we have in you. Help us to be bold in sharing that we do truly believe and want to live as though you are the one and only true God. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. I pray that you would bless each one as we go from here this week. In your name we pray. Amen.